Call the meeting to order. We hired in closed session, uh, board approved unanimously, two new employees, Joseph Latunsky, did I say that right? Controller, who is starting on June 30th, 2018. Oh, I looked at the wrong date. Sorry, guys. Totally freaked out, Bob. Sorry, sorry, folks. September the 6th, 2017, that makes way more sense. And then we also hired Eric Hook, Director, Institutional Technology, who will be starting on September 5th of 2017. And Trustee Baker, will you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes. Okay. Just in case you haven't noticed, Rafael Rios is out tonight, and so I will be chairing the meeting. And we have this running bet of who can get out the earliest, so. <laughs> All right. Adoption of agenda. There are no objections. We'll approve the agenda. Agenda adopted. And now we move to public comment. At this time, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for com comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time. On such items, individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. At this time, the board chair will pull those in attendance regarding their intent to speak on any item on the agenda. Are there any cards for public comments? No? Okay. We will move on to constituent group reports. Academic Senate report. And welcome Back, Amanda, we've missed you at our recent meetings. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, board. Uh, today was faculty's first official day back for the fall semester, the first of two instructional excellence days. And thank you, Marianne, for joining us this morning. I say official because many of my colleagues have been working all summer, including, uh, or at least part of the summer, and those would include my colleagues in counseling who are assisting students in preparation for the start of fall semester. Additionally, just this week, colleagues welcomed our new employees and specifically new faculty uh, and presented panels to support our new faculty hires. And beyond these visible sort of formal tasks, faculty spend their summers refining syllabi or getting up to speed in their specific disciplines. The big controversy in my discipline world, for example, uh, as I found out over the summer were the illegal purchasing of artifacts from the ancient Near East on the part of Hobby Lobby for their new Bible museum. So I 
this is something I'm going to bring to my students to talk about, get them thinking and talking about the life of objects and artifacts, the R of antiquity, the use of objects for validating narratives. But I'm, going to, I'm digressing. Today's keynote speaker, Janet Zadina, um, and she also presented at breakout sessions, shared research on learning in the brain from the point of view of neuroscience. There's opportunity in the breakouts to bring into the classroom suggestions for engaging students, everything from something called a homework menu to wrapping about integers. And on the subject of engaging students, colleagues of mine met in a roundtable format this afternoon to exchange ideas, commiserate with one another, and discuss what our role is as community college professors. And the fact is, and I'm willing to bet I'm not alone, teachers are always thinking about how to improve their teaching. And it doesn't matter if it's summer break or not. And here at Napa Valley College, we are no exception. I'm continually impressed and buoyed by my fellow teachers and their commitment to their craft. Um, and with a specific uh, academic Senate news is that we t began today implementing a committee restructure pilot in which we approved in the spring to collapse several committees into sort of five big committees in order to foster uh, better engagement across the faculty in various tasks as well as improving communication. So stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. To close, I sat with a brand new uh, visual arts professor today, and after hearing Rebecca's introduction and Ron's presentation, um, she turned to me and commented on how personable everyone here is at Napa Valley College. And it had not, she had come from a larger, various larger community colleges in the South where relationships were more formal. And she, I wanted to just put out there, she feels especially welcomed. So thank you. Thank you. Ken? Well, I'm going to help you try to get out early because I'm just now back myself. So really, uh, you know, there's not much to report from the Administrative Senate. So uh, next month we'll have more information. We are starting Leadership Academy on the uh, August 25th, 23rd. Dang it, I'm, hang on, let me look at my dates. 25th. So August 25th, we're going to be starting that once again. And the leadership grant, the institute, is that grant is being used to create a leadership cohort of instructors. And we're going to be going away for a retreat in the end of September. And when we come back, um, we will be integrating those new folks into the instruction. And so where a lot of folks took a grant, had a very short-term program, we're going to institutionalize our program and so that it will become a, a living program, bringing in new people who will who are former graduates who will then teach the next group, who will then teach the next group, and so that the leadership uh, academy becomes a part of our uh, a part of our culture. Thank you. And our student uh, associate students of Napa Valley College report, Rafael. Manzo, the president. Hello. Uh, yes, I've just walked in. Um, thank you so much, uh, the fates and the powers that be. <laughs> so, yes, um, to report um, for, I guess, the conclusion of summer, um, again, uh, we, as I've said in the previous board meetings, we have chosen to be 
a very productive uh, group over the summer. ASNVCs of the past uh, often took the summer break, much deserved, much needed. Um, but again, it's it's newly appointed, newly elected students every June, every April and, and May and, and June is when the elections take place. And so we just, we are feeling that we want to raise the bar, of course, and um, set higher standards and so on. And um, as a president, I feel that that's really important um, to set that now before the year begins. And so um, the Welcome Back Table event, uh, you know, as, as we always do, and I'm, as I mentioned at the last board meeting, we that will take place. It's very much set uh, in stone. It's the first two days of school, Monday and Tuesday, 14th and 15th, and it's an all-day thing because we want to meet the needs of students who take classes um, all the way through the evening, um, just before their evening classes. Um, I would say is when we wrap up those tables, um, offering free snacks, free goodies like prizes and such, um, free coffee, and um, and of course all the resources, all the campus information which we collect from all of the different groups and services on campus. Um, but also I'm, I think I'm finally able to announce um, one of our other things that was in planning a lot, which was um, it's our speaker event. Um, we call them fireside chats. Um, a lot of universities do them. And so it's what we do is we, we get a, a panel of speakers and um, have a theme, a topic, and just open a dialogue um, and have audience participation optional um, and see what emerges. And it's going to be really great to get feedback from our students, from our faculty, anyone in attendance. But, but as far as campus climate, if you want to know how things are really going, what better way than to hear it directly from those who are experiencing it, you know? So, yes. Um, so the August fireside chat, um, we've just confirmed the date will be Tuesday, August 29th, um, from 6 to 8.30 p.m., and the theme for the August Fireside Chat is LGBTQ plus dialogues. Um, so definitely um, questions that will not only relate to things like policies and legislation, which is very much important, but also a lot of individual questions that maybe um, some people will need to answer firsthand, should they choose to, of course. Um, you know, a lot of you questions. What is your experience? And on this campus, you know, do you feel this way or that way? Or, and and we'll, we're very careful about the selection of our questions for that event. Um, we don't want to offend or lead or anything. But anyways, um, I can finally say that uh, that event is set for August 29th. Um, so we're, we'll be advertising it quite a bit, and we just hope that uh, we get a great turnout for that. Thanks. And who, who do you expect to come, or who is it open to? Everyone, of course, for attendance, everyone, of course. Um, we'll, we'll be advertising it in the community as well, and um, not just on campus. but um, And on the first day of school, we intend to have advertisements for that already up on campus. Um, but our panel of speakers, I mean, again, we've, we've reached to a lot of local organizations, um, like NAPA local organizations, if we could, like, um, you know, Voices and LGBTQ Connection, and then there's PFLAG, and there's a spectrum. And then also there's a, a speakers bureau in San Francisco for LGBTQ community. Um, and that's what they specialize in, is having speakers go represent, you know, at various keynote 
events or, or what, what have you. So, yeah, so that's who we have, like, serving on the panel. Um, but uh, it, it's open for attendance for anyone and everyone. So, yeah, it, it'll be at the Performing Arts Center on campus in the little black box studio theater. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Raphael. Thank you. And it doesn't appear any of our other constituent groups are here unless someone is here to represent them. Okay. All right, then we will move on to Superintendent President's report, uh, foundation report first. Or? Yeah, thank you. Um, Jenny Humphrey is here tonight uh, along with our new executive director, which she's going to introduce. But So, Jenny, if you could. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Uh, as Ron said, I'm the vice president, and Bill Hardy, who's the president, is away for the next two meetings, so you get me. Uh, the foundation, just have a couple of updates. The foundation has uh, or wants to have an ongoing and long-term relationship with the Student Association. And this year, Margot Perez-Brun and uh, Bruce Ketron are working with Ben Caseta to foster a strong relationship with uh, our students. This year, we propose to assist them in providing perishable foods for the pantry as uh, we have learned that food insecurity remains an issue with the student body. Secondly, we've made a technical change in our IRS designation. Currently, we're a 501c3, but we would like to be more involved in the bond initiative. So technically, we can use some of our, our funds to assist in the bond initiative. So we've just made a very small change. I think we're now called the 501h3. It's just technical. It hasn't changed anything. And uh, most importantly, saving the best for last, I think Bill Hardy told you about our new hire, Ann Branch, as our executive director. And Ann has been in the fundraising biz for about 20 years, uh, both at USC for a capital campaign and at USSB, UCSB in alumni relations, raising about $50 million in her career. We can use that here. Uh, as such, Anne will be leading the strategic planning for the VWT campaign. Uh, this is a big change for us. We uh, haven't had our own executive director in quite some time, at least not in my in my view, as, in my time here. Uh, Anne is just going to say a couple of words about what's going on in her three weeks. She's been very busy. <laughs> Well, first, I just want to say how excited I am to be here and thrilled to work with um, Ginny and the Foundation Board and all of you. Um, by way of little background, I'm a sixth-generation Californian from Fresno and have a history of family with cattle ranching and citrus farming. And then I left and became a Trojan and um, lived in Napa for five years and recently just returned after two and a half years, so very excited to be back in the Valley and working with the foundation to support the college. I have um, a new office over in the PAC building, so I'd like to invite any of you, if you're ever over there, to come by and say hi to me. And I have an assistant, and her name is Annie, so it might be a little confusing with Ann and Annie, but um, you'll be able to get one of us at some time or another. So thank you. Do you have any questions? How many millions, Ann, are you? <laughs> We're out, well, we've started planning, so we've got some good plans going. Great. Welcome. Welcome. Thank Welcome, you. Welcome, ma'am. Welcome. 
Um, it looks like I'll go to the uh, president's report, and if you could just put that one up. Thank you. Um, a couple things, and Diana, just heads up, and there's a little blurb here on CTE, so maybe I might have you speak but on it a little bit. But um, a couple things um, on the report tonight, and generally speaking, try to keep it kind of high-end and, um, and um, you know, oriented towards stuff that's, that is uh, unique or outside of the ordinary. One of the things that's on here is, uh, is going green. I know it's kind of old hat for this institution, which has had a kind of sustainability and green peace, um, green orientation, I should say, as we're moving along. We're continuing on that vein. Um, the, the article that I've included there is really more about just this particular vantage point for community colleges. I think we are well in line um, and with our initiatives. We certainly are in a community that embraces uh, sustainability, so it's it's not a hard push like it is in some other areas. Um, we're moving forward on several fronts on sustainability, including looking at trying to build things to um, lead quality, maybe not always a, a lead um, certification, but we've had that conversation a little bit. Um, the Greenbelt and um, and um, Arboretum project that we're that we're working on in terms of landscaping. Upper Valley Campus has got an exciting two-year to green um, that Michelle Mano brought, um, Dean Michelle Mano brought um, to us, and we're, we've seen that. A very exciting kind of um, alternative. So moving through all this, bottom line is that we're continuing our work. Um, you'll see more of the landscaping projects and, and initiative um, kind of unroll. There is more money here available from the state and feds. Um, which is a really good thing, and some private firms are now starting to fund up this as well. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and, and maybe this won't come up. I'm just not sure, Diana. But there is an article here really on CTE, and the, the title is really called Breaking the Stigma of CTE Jobs, you know, which, which had with it, you know, are you going to go to community colleges and transfer? Where are you transferring to? You know, what's your four-year degree? All of those kinds of questions. And, and the reality is that um, we even saw pictures today um, in, in reflecting on the history of this college where there were more occupational-oriented, um, long-term, well-paying jobs that were respectable. And somehow during the last 20 or 30 years, those kinds of occupational, career, and technical jobs um, took a back seat. Well, they're, they're front and center. Certainly the state and the federal government is really pushing hard on, on apprenticeship programs, on construction, the trades, if you will. Um, and there are more and more people choosing these, including some of our millennials who graduated and had BAs are now back at the college looking for career and technical pathways so they can earn money in a different way. So it, it's good. You'll be hearing a lot about it. We've been talking about it for at least three years here. Which is you know the the uh, strong workforce? Uh, what's it called, Diana? I'm sorry. Uh, it, okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the strong workforce program. Um, yeah, thank you. And um, finally, um, the, the there is political turf being discussed. There's an article here that I've included. the The baccalaureate pilot program that started several years ago really sailed through the legislature, certainly through our system, 
There were 15 pilot um, colleges. They got uh, a lot of attention. We applied for one and didn't didn't um, wasn't awarded that. And then there was a subsequent motion, kind of at the state level, to expand that pilot program for another 10 or so. It got pushed back through the legislature, and there's a lot of um, of you know our our sister colleges and universities are challenged by the community colleges stepping into baccalaureate degrees, even applied three-year baccalaureate degrees. So there's discussion there. I think that from what I see, um, it's going to resurface. And my guess is there'll be baccalaureates um, back on the table in, in within a year or so. It's just a legislation that's very popular. Um, it makes great sense, especially for colleges like us. Um, and um, we'll just keep an eye on it. Um, we're... As you know, we've talked about several alternatives here. Certainly there's an alternative and possibility in health sciences. BWT has also come up several times. So we'll keep you aware of that. Finally, I would say ACCJC, which is the Accrediting Commission. Um, there was um, quite a bit of uh, to do over the past couple of years, and the CEOs in the state, my peer group, had voted to move away from that accrediting commission um, to another senior WASC commission. And um, they uh, did a, we put together a work group. That work group has, has recommended that continued study. That study would take at least five to six years to conclude. Meanwhile, um, the ACCJC, which is the, uh, the junior college um, group, has appointed a new president, if you will, cleaned house, and is a much more kinder, um, maybe more forgiving organization. So we'll see where they go. But um, it, it's just an update. You'll you'll be hearing things as as we go during the year, and I'll bring some more updates. But no changes for us at all at this point. So with that, um, I'd like to just move along with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Um, huh? Could we have this uploaded? This document. Yeah, it is uploaded. I think it's just not showing up. It, 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 so it's on the site. It's just not. Uh, there's some technical glitch okay, there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, and there's links there to these to these sites. Um, Doug, if you will, for public information. Uh, thank you, board. Uh, on my report in that first page, there's a story about Liz McPherson, who took um, machine technical uh, machine technical machine tool machine tools. Yeah. Technology. She, she, this is a story about the internship she got at Shell. And we met her at graduation, and she said, you know, next nine weeks, they're going to fall in love with me, and they're going to hire me full time. And by golly, it happened. This Wednesday, she's coming back as an employee of Shell to talk to the students about mechanical technology, mechanical tool technology. Machine tool technology, and and we're going to be there to, to report what she says. We're going to take pictures, and it's just a great thing to say to the public: come to the college, get a career, and then see it happen. And here it is, proof. Just really proud of that. I, I would say too that it, it still it it still bothers me a, a tad that it's unique and that we focus on the gender. You know what I mean? She's she's more news because she's gender. Um, but I'm I'm excited really that our 
our student population seems to be broadening. And um, so uh, th this, the fields are really opening up for women, I think, in a, in a very uh, wonderful way. So that's another it's kind of a sub-story about it. Very excited about that. Um, and this is a, a piece of the, the whole CTE side um, here in terms of machine tool and um, welding as well. Thank you. Um, let's uh, move to the cabinet reports and um, start with Charles. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back, faculty, from your summer. Um, we have definitely been very busy in the Office of Human Resources recruiting, 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 but I can tell you the joy, the fruits of our labor, um, we are able to see the fruits when we hold our new employee orientation, which was held on Tuesday, August the 8th. And it is wonderful to have the privilege to welcome all new faculty, administrator, confidentials, and classified employees to the NBC family. And so um, we will be holding another orientation in the spring. I will share the dates ahead of time and would encourage all of you to come by and join us as we welcome new employees to our community. Also, I'd like to ask everyone to please hold December the 1st date. Um, December the 1st, we are anticipating um, putting on a job fair um, to get um, members of our community and neighboring communities interested in our positions here. So that's all I have to report. Thank you, and welcome back again, faculty. Thank you. Bob? Yes, so first of all, we are... Very excited in administrative services to have two key positions filled tonight. Thank you very much. Um, and those individuals will be starting in September, early September. So, so just, just words can't describe how, uh, how excited we are about that, how excited I am about that. And uh, uh, the uh, only other two things I want to report is that the auditors are coming in the week of August 21st to do their audit field work. So we've moved that up. Um, earlier this year so that they can complete the audit earlier. And then finally, we had the first meeting of our planning, our new planning and budget joint committee today, and we set the date. You know, our first task will be to get the final budget ready to present to you at the September 14th board meeting for approval. And so that committee will be meeting on August 31st to review the budget, and we'll be planning a campus forum on Tuesday, September 5th at 3.30. We haven't identified the room yet, but that information will be going out to uh, all of the campus community uh, to discuss for our campus forum to discuss the final budget before presentation to you by the president at the September 14th meeting. What was the time for the September 5th? 3.30. 3.30, Thank you. Um, Eric. Good evening, everybody. So I was telling somebody earlier this evening that this is my second favorite day of the year. So the first flex day when faculty come back is a fantastic day here on the campus, certainly when I was a faculty member because it meant that I had just had some time off, some time to rest, rejuvenate, research, do all the things that I did as a faculty member. Now as an administrator here on campus, it's fantastic to have all of my faculty colleagues back, so welcome. Um, and I say my second favorite day because my first favorite day is next Monday, which is when the students come back on campus because that's where it all really starts. 
So this is a fantastically exciting time of year for instruction. Um, this is where a lot of the work that we do during the year starts off. Um, that said, uh, we've been very busy over the summer as well in the Office of Instruction. So in addition to the flex day planning that's been going on um, uh, under the direction of Rebecca Scott and others here on campus, uh, we have a brand-new catalog that has been published. So our 2718 catalog is out in hard copy, but you have to be very special to get the spiral-bound version of it. Um, and typically your name is on the cover when you get the spiral-bound version, but we have copies of this now in the office. And so I want to thank all the staff that's been working on that. Um, the catalog is always a really important document here for us at the, co at the college. Um, we have a lot of new hires that uh, all of you here on the board certainly know, know about because uh, you did the hiring uh, last spring, and, and um, it's been amazing having all these people come on board. I do want to take just a quick second here to introduce you to one of the folks that you hired. So, Bob, if you wouldn't mind standing up. Uh, this is D Dean uh, Robert Vanderveld. He is our new dean for social sciences, science, math, and engineering. Um, he began in July and has hit the ground running um, and is a fantastic addition to our administrative staff. So, Bob, welcome. <laughs> and then yesterday, as part of the uh, new employee orientation day, I had the distinct honor of taking in uh, the new faculty, the new full-time uh, tenure-track and full-time leave replacement faculty yesterday afternoon into our new faculty learning community. So we had our first meeting of that yesterday. And I don't think that I had realized until they were all in a room together how many we hired this last year. We had 12 full-time faculty sitting in that room, plus two who were hired in, in the spring semester. Um, it was a, it's an amazing uh, cohort of new faculty that we're bringing on board. So we had them for about three hours yesterday afternoon after they had spent the morning um, doing the employee orientation with Charo and, and, and all of her staff um, to, to focus on the things that faculty need to know that very first day in class. Now, there's many seasoned professors among them, uh, many years of teaching experience in, in, that, in that room, um, but certainly learning a new college is always uh, a little bit of an uphill battle at first. So we were really excited that we were able to get them together before the semester started to get them that initial, initial orientation so we start them off on the right foot and so that they know each other and who everybody else is. So very excited about working with them in the coming year. Also last night, we did a part-time faculty evaluation, uh, not evaluation, pardon me, orientation, a little bit of a different character there, uh, part-time faculty orientation last night that was very well attended by part-time faculty and well attended by staff, uh, administrators, and faculty here at the college as well, um, where we brought all of our part-time faculty together for an evening to go over things that they would need to know um, in the coming year, and also really just to welcome them and to try and have the adjuncts uh, really in the middle of the herd with us um, as we were getting the, 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 near, the new year off to a start. Um, so some other things that we've got going on in instruction, um, uh, certainly we're, we're keeping an eye on enrollments for this fall. Um, as of today, we're pretty much even with where we were last fall, which is right on target where we expected to be. Uh, so we're very pleased with the way that the enrollments are going right now for the, for the coming semester. Um, all of our hard work and planning and scheduling and work with student services is paying off at this moment for our students. Um, some other events that we have going on. So right now we actually have a group here on campus from China. So this summer, Maria Villa Gomez and uh, Diana Shabodi and Charlie Monahan um, uh, worked together to set up a program for a group of educators from China 
to come over here to Napa for one week and to have a series of workshops here on campus um, and an introduction into um, our education system here and our pedagogical practices and a little bit of wine tasting thrown in there as well because, after all, they are in Napa. Um, uh, They spent some time over at VWT, I do believe, yesterday. Um, Yesterday afternoon they were over at our our teaching winery. Uh, Today, yeah. Um, And so uh, I've been really excited to do that, and I really want to thank uh, Maria Villa Gomez, Diana Shibodi, and Charlie Monahan, and Oscar DeHaro as well for helping out and getting and getting that together as we welcome these folks in from China. Um, Writers Conference, the 37th annual Writers Conference closed up a couple of weeks ago at the Upper Valley Campus. Um, if you haven't had a chance as a board member to attend any of the events of the Writers Conference, I strongly encourage you to uh, look into it next summer for our 38th uh, writer, annual Writers Conference. This is a real jewel for the college, and it kind of goes under the radar sometimes here on our campus, but it is on the national radar as a writers' conference. And I was um, very surprised one day when I went up there to just stick my head in to see the list of authors that were in the building while I was there. And I have to admit I was a little bit starstruck by one of them, too, and um, I was able to get a book signed by one of them, and I was extremely happy about that. But um, the Writers' Conference uh, went beautifully. It was the largest number of applicants that we've had to the conference in workshop history. Um, we did two dinners, two receptions that were successfully hosted at, outside in the Upper Valley Campus courtyard uh, for this year's conference. And typically those in the past have been hosted at Napa Winery, so it was really good to bring it all on campus for that. Uh, we have music in the vineyards coming up um, at the Upper Valley Campus as well during the month of August. Uh, they they uh, work with us and utilize the Upper Valley Campus as a rehearsal space. Um, Additionally, um, this last summer, uh, you, you did hear that we had uh, the Adelante program that came back. So we brought, we brought Adelante back, and this is a longstanding partnership that we've had with Migrant Education, um, and this was restored in collaboration with Napa Valley Unified School District, and uh, we offered a non-credit program uh, this last summer for the first time in many years. I don't remember how many years it had been dormant, but it had been some time, so it was one, 10 years, and so it was wonderful to bring that back onto campus this summer. Um, we had over 100 students that we served with that program this summer. A um, couple of things to finish off here tonight so you guys can get on with your meeting. Um, uh, we've had some very interesting changes to the curriculum approval process here in the state of California that have happened over the summer that will have some effect on how we do things locally. You may remember back in February that Amanda and I did a presentation for you on the curriculum approval process. Well, the, the really good news is that we get to cut off a lot of the things that were on the right-hand side of those flow charts that had to do with approval at the chancellor's office. And so uh, there has been a return, to a, a return and a greater emphasis on the notion of local approval and local control over that, that approval process. So we're really excited about that. Um, and I'm, I've had the honor this year of also I'm going to be serving on the state curriculum committee again this year. I've served on it previously as a faculty member, but I'll be on as a representative for the chief chief instructional officers um, in the state of California this year. So I'm going to have the opportunity to to keep us abreast of everything that's going on in curricular developments in the state of California, including more discussions about baccalaureate programs, as Ron had mentioned earlier. Finally, Shakespeare in the Park, a Midsummer's Night Dream. Uh, So this is going to be hosted in multiple locations this year, August 25th, 26th, and 27th. That will be in downtown Napa. On on September 8th, 9th, and 10th, that will be in St. Helena at the Upper Valley Campus. 
on September 15th, 16th, and 17th. That will be in Yauntville. And then finally, it will end up on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at uh, the new CIA facility at Copia um, here, in, here in Napa in the amphitheater that's been restructured there on the backside by the river. So we're really excited about that. That is being directed by our own Jennifer King. This is starring our students with sets built by our students, and this is part of our instructional program in theater here at Napa Valley College. Really excited to put this on for another year. And I'll leave it at that for tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Oscar. Well, since uh, my, and my, my colleagues have exuded their, their excitement, I guess I have to be excited as well. Uh, but no, in reality, I, I am very excited, uh, especially because I just got back from a three-week break, uh, went, went to visit my, my hometown in Mexico. So that was very, uh, uh, very good you know, uh, personally just to get back to, to see my relatives and, and family members. Uh, the, the report, the, the, the task here has a couple of items. Uh, one is a Project Rise, which is one of our projects off of our uh, HSI grant, is trying something new this, this summer. And it's called uh, cam- Campus Kickoff. And basically it's, it's, uh, it's trying to mimic what the four-year colleges do when they have brand-new students that are that'll be attending the, the, the fall semester. The idea is to get them here on campus, uh, and, it's, and, and it's voluntary. Uh, but we've had a, a, a very good number of students the last couple of days. And the idea here is to, again, uh, reacquaint them with the college. Uh, they may have been here once or twice before, but the idea is to give them more of a personal touch, more of a, of a feeling for the campus, which includes a tour, but also the opportunity to, to really see how Canvas works and how WebAdvisor really works and all the nuances that will make them um, a successful student here. And so we had these, uh, these few events. It was on Tuesday and it was on Wednesday, very well attended. My daughter and my granddaughter and uh, the 35 friends were, were also part, part of the group. So and they told me that uh, it was a very good, very, very good project. Uh, this project is under the, the, the direction of Chris Farmer, who's our director of, of, of HSI. Uh, another project or something that the Chancellor's Office has initiated this year is something that's called in- integrated planning. And in years past, you as a board uh, re- uh, would receive and would approve three different plans. One plan would be from the BSI program, which is basically an initiative, what would be from student equity, and what would be from SSSP, which is through success and, and, and support program. What they've, what they've decided is that it's important to, to, to integrate these three programs because they're very similar. The idea is to make certain that student success is at the foremost of, of, of their efforts, but also to ensure that the achievement gaps are, are actually closed. So uh, what we've done is that we've, we've formed uh, a very good committee, various committee, the representation from faculty, from classified staff, and from administrators. And uh, we've been working on this for about uh, three meetings now. So the game plan is to bring uh, this plan to you uh, on or about, uh, thereabouts within December, uh, probably, uh, probably the board meeting, December board meeting in November. But before that, it's going to be well, well vetted through the Academic Senate and, and other constituencies as well. So again, this, this will be coming forward in, in the near future. Um, Another thing, too, is that with, with the Student Affairs, there's been two additional uh, groups of staff, uh, um, two programs that have been added. So there's new members to, to the Student Affairs family. Uh, one is a DSPS program, um, the services part, part of it, because there's two sides to DSPS. One is the learning services, which is instructional, which Rebecca Scott uh, supervises, and the services aspect of it where uh, we have the, uh, the, the interpreters and accommodations and such and the counseling. That is now under Student Affairs. And the other program that has come under uh, Student Affairs as of August the 1st is the MESA program and the STEM program. 
Um, so uh, these are two areas that I'm very proud to you know, to be part of, and also very proud to to be supervisor of. And I want to thank uh, Eric Eric Shear for 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 your guidance and for your assistance on on, on this transition. Um, later on, you may be hearing a bit more about the Mentis project. Uh, Mentis has 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 offered us the opportunity to have a bilingual ther therapist once once a week here on campus. It's an opportunity that we definitely have jumped on, and perhaps uh, um, um, Mr. Iverson will want to speak on that later on. But it's one of the items you have on your consent calendar. Um, and and another element was the one that, that Eric mentioned that Student Affairs was was part of uh, the visit we had for the Chinese uh, teachers. It was very, very successful. Uh, we hope to have something, this in place for years to come. Um, and so Student Affairs was part of the tour and assisted with some of the, the activities. And lastly, um, I attended last Saturday the event that, that Trustee Rios uh, sponsors his, his family for, for their nephew who passed away eight years ago or so. Uh, and, and it's the ceremony where they raise scholarship funds. And, um, and I've been there the last seven years. And so it was nice to, uh, to, to see friends again, but also it's a very good cause. So with that, thank you very much. Thank you. And that's the uh, end of the President's report. Okay. So we had uh, a little glitch in the minutes. Carol Lee was out, and I know that uh, Cynthia was trying to get them together, but we now have a... Uh, hard copy here, but we did not have the minutes um, early enough on the agenda, so I would look to the board to uh, kind of advise to uh, move to approve the minutes or table the minutes. I'd like to table the minutes until the next meeting. A second that. All in favor of tabling the minutes to the next meeting? Aye. Any opposed? Abstain? Okay. We get that? So it looks like we're, it passes, motion passes to table. Okay. And back to you, Ron, on campus housing. Thank you. We have several um, kind of information items to talk about. Um, one on housing. There's one on the bond and then administrative reg. And and this these um, information discussion items are intended for the board to keep abreast of, of what we're doing. I know you only check in once a month, um, and so it's difficult. So much transpires, you know, every 30 days or so. So um, we'll give you a little bit of an update. Bob and I will kind of work on this. I, I did have a couple of uh, of questions on uh, or comments before we get into this. Uh, um, this is student housing, as, as we know, and we didn't want to do a whole lot. Um, Amanda and the Academic Senate, and, and all the Senates, really, we talked. We didn't want to do a whole lot over the summer, so we scheduled things prior to, to kind of get as much done in May as we could while faculty and staff were really here and engaged, and then back again in August. So there will be a, a series of um, opportunities where Bob and I and others will, will speak with the Senate, um, kind of bring them up to speed, what the expectations. We did some in our presentation today. 
um, Oscar Charo and I um, to uh, a group in the President's Roundtable. Um, so with that said, the, uh, many of those questions, uh, and some of the same questions keep coming up, because it takes a while for people to really just get the Q&As on these. Um, and so Bob can update us a little bit on the, on the process, and then I can add and you can ask questions. Sure. So the, the one thing to report in terms of the campus housing project is that we have scheduled interviews with those uh, developers who uh, responded to the RFQ, and those interviews will be taking place on Thursday, August 17th. Um, interviews are scheduled between uh, 4 and 4.30 and 8 p.m. In the panel, a, a, a question comes up. There's a couple things I would say. We're really going out, uh, the, the more proper, I think, and we've talked about this a bit, is be thinking about this in terms of a program manager. So we're really not going to be hiring. Some, it depends whether you call them a developer or a program manager, but they're really in, in a central role of organizing the, all of the potential pieces of this moving forward. And it's quite a complex piece, as we've, as we've talked about. So there, there will be construction management and research on land and financial components and legal components, all those components. Um, and so we are really um, leaning into the panel, which we um, talked about last time, and, and um, I think you're aware of it, but we're going to utilize um, staff, which is um, Bob and I and, and Matt Christensen, who is the director of facilities from staff, and invite the subcommittee. Um, for land development from the board to participate in that as well. And then we will, we will get down to a, a selection process. We're going to use a rubric, um, which is basically from the RFQ itself. You know, we're going to look at, I just had scratched out a couple numbers here, um, really focused on commitment of the group, capacity, and capability to perform. We want to make sure that whoever we engage with is got the chops to kind of see this through and we'll understand and we certainly don't want to engage with someone who's a, you know, a first time out but I think the RFQ helped us in that and that they're all seem very qualified um, I think outside of that I'm looking the next step really is once that once that program manager has been selected according to our schedule that we've we've shared with you um, other times, um, we will go into negotiation with that group, which is scope. So, and it's it's very different. You you can't negotiate a scope, uh, um, until you really know what you're doing. So, you know, this is a this is a crawl, walk, run process. So, right now we have a general notion of what we want to do, a general idea of where it goes. Um, so, we'll have a deeper set of conversations with that program manager because each of these RFQ. Um, responses were invited to think about the process. So we'll learn a lot in that, in that, and I would expect coming back next month, we'll have a much more detailed presentation for you on who it is we're thinking about, why it is we're thinking about them, and, and what we've learned in that process. So we have time for discussion on this item? It says, so did you have a question, Jennifer? Well, I, 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 was, I didn't, maybe I missed it. How many are being interviewed? We are going to interview three. There were three complete respondents to the RFQ. And you sort of almost were answering it, but just curious about what the plan is for bringing the results of those interviews to. Uh, will we 
as the full board have be given information about all three, or are you just going to come forward with the recommendation of the one? What, what How do you foresee that happening? I, I think our intention is to bring the recommendation of the staff and the in the subcommittee um, who's helping us. Um, um, we'll be bringing one one to you, and then the board will take a look at that and we'll move forward. We'll have an explanation in that. I have a couple points. Um, so first of all, um, I think it was really good, important discussion we had at the last board meeting, narrowing down certain points. Um, but there were certain questions we, we didn't get to because the conversation was cut short. And I know one of the questions that has been brought to the board and that we really didn't have time to discuss was, you alluded to it, was this whole issue of um, will the project manager be separate from the developer? And um, I don't think we've gotten clarity on that. I, I know that um, I believe that only one of the three applicants is an independent consultant. I think the other two are developers. So is there going to be, if you choose a developer to be the project manager, then would there be a different developer to actually develop the project? I think it's important to have them be separate so that the, the person that's doing the planning isn't interested in the project. They're only interested in what's best for the college and what's best for students. So I just want some clarity on um, this idea of project manager as separate of the developer versus the, pro the developer as also project manager. Questions on, on that? Um, so let me see. I'll take my best shot at this, and, and I'll try to parse my words because they tend to come back. You know, so I'll, I'll, um, I'm going to be careful as I answer this, but... So there is definitions. The definition of developer is broad, right? So we have to start there because you may mean something quite different than other people in the, in the area. So developer could mean project manager. So if, if what you're asking is could one of these respondents um, do it all in-house, I haven't yet reviewed their capability. So it's possible. So at least one of the respondents or two or might be a huge conglomerate, so they would be doing more of a vertical approach to this, which means that they would have um, construction capability or planning capability. They may. They may. Um, the other way to approach this, um, it, in terms, and we talked about this early on, if the college wanted to hire its own project manager, pay for a project manager, and fund a project manager, that's also an approach. Um, it, that's one that we didn't really consider yet, but I think we'll learn more, and I'm, I'm trying to be as specific as I can, we'll learn more from, from the specific proposals that we have from these folks, because they've only answered RFQ, so we have a lot of questions for them as they come in. Again, I want to make sure that you're not misconstruing this is a municipal bond, right? Um, pu um, Public-private partnership. So we're really looking at constraints on this kind of a, of a development, if you will. So folks who are going to enter into this are constrained by legal federal and state guidelines. So it, it's, there's not a lot of um, wiggle room in this. This is not like a, a private contractor or developer coming in, um, bidding it out building it all. There's constraints here 
in terms of how much they can, how much profit they could make on it, and what differing companies they use. But so I don't know whether I'm answering your question well, in a way that works. I guess what I should rephrase it is the board gave direction, uh, policy level direction on certain items at the last meeting, and I think this is another one of those items that we need to give policy level direction on. I. We've talked about Orange Coast as a model, and they had a separate independent project manager, um, separate from the developer, and I think that's a best practice, and I think that's very important that we engage in the same practice. I think it needs to be separate, um, and I'd like to hear what the rest of the board thinks about that, but again, that concerns me that we haven't decided that as a board. I think it's uh, it's necessary that we talk about that. So that's kind of the first thing I want the board to talk about, hopefully. And then there's a couple other points I think we need to talk about. But that's the first thing I want to put out there that I think that's something that the board needs to give direction on. Well, I was going to just ask, if you don't mind, Bob, do you have other input on this? I'm not, I'm not sure I took a good slice of that. In a, no, in I think that, help. so, yeah. you know, as you say, we haven't interviewed the um, folks who responded to the RFQ yet. Um, as a result of those interviews, I, I I know at least one of the respondents to the RFQ would be fully integrated. That doesn't mean that we have to purchase, or I shouldn't say purchase, but that we have to engage that particular person in all of those um, pieces of uh, development of the project. So it wouldn't preclude us if there is someone who says we can do all of these things for you. It wouldn't preclude us from saying we only want you to provide this particular or this group of services to us. And those are discussions that we'll have after we have the interviews with the uh, respondents to the RFQ. Yeah, I I was just going to say, Ron, that I... It sounded to me that maybe it's too soon to really have the full answer to that. I mean, it, what I'm understanding from Bob is that um, it's what we learn from these interviews that's going to help us figure all this out um, and bringing that then to us to be able to say, I mean, I guess one other question I have is once you bring that recommendation to us, what is that step, what are you asking of us at that point so that we know what stage in the process we are? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the next, the, uh, the, what, there's a step in between, I think, that we need to acknowledge. So we're not just going to be bringing the recommendation. There's, there's a whole education piece, if you will, here. I would think that that, that um, recommended finalist, if we can do it that way, would come in and do a very solid presentation for you ask those questions you know are you are you if you are chosen or are, are you how can we assure that you are not going to double down and make money behind the scenes if you are chosen is it possible that do we have to use all of your integrated services those questions are reasonable and good and i think you can get at those and also during that presentation i'm sure that they'll probably talk about the logistics of this Pretty complicated financial structure, which is um, needs needs to be unpacked, really, so you can ask deeper questions. So it may be that it's two step. We may we may come in for that presentation and bring it back for a vote if you're not feeling ready for it, or 
vote then. I think we should be deciding what we want to do. We shouldn't be figuring it out as we go. We shouldn't be at this stage and be trying to, you know, at the last meeting deciding what the scope of the project is or at this meeting still not knowing where we stand on something not fundamental as whether or not our planning services should be separate from developer. I just I think that we should be deciding that, not letting them decide it and it unfold uh, as we go through interviews. Could we get some input from board members? Maybe I was just going to say that I hear your concerns, but I think it's really kind of early. I mean, I think the subcommittee and meeting and doing these interviews with the RFQ will be the point where we start having some of those robust discussions once we bring someone forward. I mean, right now I feel like it's, it is it is taking a long time. It's taking longer than I would like to see, but in Napa I don't think we're going to build ourselves out of the housing issues. And I think what we're doing here right now, having these discussions, is our small part in solving a big problem in our community. So I'm positive about the direction that we're going right now. Thank you. Michael? Do you have any input? I'd definitely be concerned about the path going forward and what what we expect here, where we're going with this. The um, and I agree that some of that will come with hearing the presentations. I'm I'm, I'm somewhat concerned about what the. Um, what we're asking them to do, I haven't seen the the uh, if we can put up the the RFQ up there. And so, what we would like, what we expect to hear, what we'd like to hear, and what we're going to hear could be all a little bit different. So, I, I guess going in, maybe some some definition, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's going to come with. Meeting first before we meet with them. We can do both those things. I'm sh- I'm sure that we can share. We can obviously share. You've you've seen the RFQ already, but we can definitely drive it back to you. Talk about the re- the respondents. Um, we'll try to provide what what you should feel is that you're not. There's, again, I'll say it as we've said. There's no um, rush to the roar here. I mean, this is a. This is a very slow process as these processes go. The, the way that we're doing it is very slow, very measured compared to most institutions. So that's the reason we did not go out for an RFP, because that would have been more contractual interest. We went out for just an RFQ for people who are just interested in talking to us about it and who would provide information for you about it. So they really enter into... Um, a specific, before you know more information about how it works, um, which is part of this whole process. So I would say over the next couple months, you you should be able to learn more, make adequate decisions, and vote on that. I think the questions from, I, I think, Amy, the questions I hear you more concerned about is, is there a conflict, is it going to be a conflict of interest here somehow, right? Yeah. It is. I believe yeah, it is. Exactly. I can hear that. And yeah. so I think that's a great question. And if and if they can't unpack that for you in the presentation that where you feel good or we don't feel good, then but by then you've chosen. No, no. Pers- this is simply a selected. Narrowed it down to one. It's a selected person. finalist, but it doesn't mean that the other two are are not 
um, worthy of talking to. Um, again, this would be different if it were an RFP. So I, I guess I just had a question about what you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, you're going to come in with a recommendation on one. Mm-hmm. How do we learn about the other two so that we could, are you going to, let them make a presentation? Are you going to make a presentation? That would be a different piece. That's a, that's a different structure. We could, we could go that direction, which would be a board's, a series of presentations on an RFP. That's a highly unusual way to do it. Um, I, I would suggest that your, your representation from your subcommittee it should be adequate. And, and to be frank, this is, it's an operational piece. Our, our director of facilities and, and staff are going to know more than you are. I mean, or sh- or you should, you know. So I, and that's that's but, right. And yeah. they know. So the recommendation would be based on our best analysis of it, and if it doesn't meet the the requirements or or how you feel, if you're not feeling good about it, then we'll dip back down, go back go back and look at the other two. So it's possible. Having all three of those um, come in for a presentation would be, I don't even know if they particularly would. That's possible. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be that, but at least have some information on, mm-hmm. on those other two developers. Yeah, we, can, would I mean, be you know, we can certainly share that information. We can share their responses to the RFQ, absolutely. That would be good. Yeah. And I believe Jennifer has one more comment. Yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of, distill a little bit what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. and that I think we're getting hung up a little bit too much on titles like developer versus project manager. And I think that um, Trustee Martinson's concern and mine as well is really just having independent oversight, you know, because the project manager, I don't have a problem with the project manager working as a part of the, of the developers, you know, firm, or if it's separate from them, that, that doesn't really, that's how I see as a project manager, but having something in or someone or that's kind of the uh, go-between that just is kind of keeping making certain that they're doing things the way they should and efficiently so that, because we don't, to my knowledge, have anyone on staff here at the college that could fill that role. So uh, having somebody that's independent uh, that, of the developer slash project manager slash whatever that is not going to be doing, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's and doing timelines and mm-hmm. spec sheets, but di- mm-hmm. but just making certain that things are done properly. You want to take a shot so, at Bob or you? No? I, I would think that, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, that as we review, as we have the interviews and as we review the proposals, um, seeing how that integration takes place, I would agree that someone, you know, if it, it, that, that there needs to be some individual agency who is the uh, representative of the college district in, in that activity. That's my point. We need somebody that works, that person that's planning, that's doing the needs assessments and so forth, needs to work for us. Not for the developer. I think it sounds like I think it's I think it sounds like that's what we're what everybody's saying. The board. It sounds like the board is is asking uh, that we look for somebody who can play an independent role. 
Oh, and I think that that wraps that up. I don't. I, I think it, we don't need to rehash the same conversation. Manvir, please. Which subcommittee will get the presentation of the three, the three people, three different organizations? I'm sorry. Ask, ask your question Michael again. Subcommittee Michael will get the Kyle and uh, oh. Raphael is part of that committee, That's right? That's right. Yeah. That's a subcommittee on land use. Can I be on that? Um, Raphael, the, the chair, appoints that, okay. and he appointed that that subcommittee. Um, okay. And so you would have to you have to check with him. I don't know whether I don't think as a student trustee you you would change any quorum. We can't yeah, have four on there because it like turns to, into I would like a. To be there, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll just, you know, it would be Raphael's call. Okay. Amy, is it new information? Yeah, it's the the second point, the com- the composition of that committee. I want to. I'd like to talk about that. Um, so I brought this up at the last meeting, and I, I need to bring it up again. I'm I'm concerned about the composition of that committee. Um, is this about? But this is about the committee. It's not about. This housing, this hiring committee, the hiring committee, the, the three board members with the staff that are going to make this decision about the one name to bring forward. Um, what's that? It's not a hiring committee. It's an interview process that will bring back a fourth a recommendation. Whatever the person, the, the committee that's going to bring forward the recommendation. I would like to to express a concern. I know you mentioned about having all three people come and present, and that would be unusual. That would be unusual, but it's also very unusual to have board members making this kind of a decision. And it actually goes against our board policy of making decisions as a whole board. So I'm very concerned about that. It it breaks precedent. We've never done that before, and I don't agree with it. I feel that if we took those board members off, they should be making that decision as a whole board in terms of the final person. But in terms of the interview process, that should be staff and perhaps some of the stakeholders from the college who have really been left out, in my opinion, of this process. Um, one of our rules as board members is to make sure that shared governance is being followed, and not just in the letter, but in the spirit. And um, you know, this is something that's going to affect the entire college. Having students on campus 24-7 will affect everything. It will affect police. It will affect counseling it'll affect nursing um, because these students will need all these kinds of services so they should be a part of this process I would much rather see stakeholders from representatives from those constituent groups on that committee along with staff and to take the board members out of it um, because it's inappropriate they should be here hearing what we hear as a whole board and making uh, maybe the final decision as a whole board but to have three board members already kind of having that kind of an influence, I think is inappropriate. Um, and again, if they were taken off, we could put on college stakeholders instead. If, uh, if I'm understanding, Ron, it's, uh, this is just like, or it's a similar situation to any ad hoc committee who's bringing a recommendation back to the board. It's not a hire or it's not a purchase. This would be the, the, the outcome of the committee would be would be a recommendation to move forward with a selected finalist, then that would go through a whole another process in front of the board for their decision making. So it the narrowing of those folks um would be um up up to this group for sure, but th- there's no decision making, it's just simply a recommendation. That's what I that's what I assumed. I, I think that we need to move on. 
Um, and I and I think that Ron and Bob have heard certainly what how the board is feeling as you go into and our board members that are on the committee how we feel about going into this process. I would like to know process. how other board members feel about three board members having that kind of an influence over this kind of a decision. Um, I'd like to hear about that. If anybody else has a concern about that, to me it's the equivalent of having board members be on a hiring committee to some extent, and we would never do that. So um, it, it goes against our policy of making decisions as a whole board. I don't agree with three board members having that kind of an influence over something like this. I, I don't agree that we need to go any further with it, and I don't believe that we're. it's like making a hiring decision. It's like a committee bringing a recommendation, um, and I think that we can move on. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Ron, for all the yeah, in-depth we'll, we'll answers and, and Bob as well. Actually, Look board forward. Chair, I just have one last comment and then I'm done. Um, and I have also brought this up in the past and it was never addressed. Uh, I still have a concern that um, that the way the RFQ was written, bringing up the Upper Valley Campus, bringing up mixed use, etc., now with the more narrow defined scope of the project, I feel that the way that the RFQ was written limited a potential larger pool of applicants. I think later it could be challenged as being anti-competitive. Um, and I, I, honestly, I, we have three applicants. I, I feel that, I know this is, you know, it's unfortunate, but I feel sure. we need to redo the RFQ, appropriate to what we decided, and put it back out. Yeah, I think we're we're not on the agenda any longer. Okay. So well, I needed uh, to express that concern. So that's that's something we took care of a couple of meetings back. So let's move on, uh, Ron, to bond feasibility update. Sure. Um, um, just just quickly, I think we can um, update the um, the board from last time. As you know, last time we met, we talked about Godby Research um, getting ready to do their survey, and um, they are in the process of doing that survey. And I think that the final one, I had sent you all updates uh, on this earlier in the week or um, yesterday or the day before, and um, the final um, outreach for Godby is this Sunday, I believe, the 13th of August, if that's, if that's the Sunday. But it is 8-13, and they'll finish up their their um, survey results. It will take them about a week to two weeks to kind of collate those results, and then they'll go back with staff and, and start to share those, and then we'll start to um, create a presentation. We don't know yet, you know, what um, what might come from that. So um, process is unfolding, I, I think, nicely, and, and we'll see where we go. Meanwhile, um, you know, the college needs to move along. So, the, uh, so I want to make sure that we're real clear that a facilities master plan, the the maintenance of the organization, repair all of those things. You know, move forward regardless of the funding source. You know, so we're we're doing our planning um, regardless of, of whether or not we're we're successful or decide that we want to go forward even with a with a bond. So those things are happening and unfolding as we um, as we work forward. Any other Bob? I had a quick question just yes. on. Actually, some of the questions that are being asked on the survey, do uh -huh. we know or have we heard? Um, a couple things. What, what um, We looked at it and, and um, certainly um, um, we're able to, in, in a smaller group in staff, what we don't want to do is to 
like for example, we wouldn't want to talk about that tonight or any or read those or examine those per that uh, that um, that document I m- moved forward to you. It really kind of pollutes the local pool. Um, people who hear about it know that it's you know they're kind of preconceived, so um, it's it's not in the best practice of kind of surveying. There is a question on there that says. And I don't think it was the last time around, which is if you're affiliated with a college, that's a yes, then you're, that's the last question you answer, right? That's thank you very much. And that's good. I think it, it's a much more um, um, you know, neutral position. So we'll kind of see as we go. You're certainly willing, and we'll have a, a list of those partial questions when we come back, and also the, the testing of the, of the um, feasibility and the limits of of what comes back in terms of the bond amount. So with the report, will we actually see the questions as asked? That is a great question, and I can't answer that. I think they, I think they try to show the questions um, not completely, um, and it. De- I don't know. I can't answer that question. I, yet. I would. I think I they do a roll up for you. If, if, if it was the same group. It is. No, it's a different group. They did the after action report. Yeah. I, I, if if we can convey it to them, I, I would be interested in seeing the actual questions Mm -hmm. as asked, the actual language that was used. Since I know that framing and phrasing can, can influence how a question is understood. Right. As well as the roll up too, because I like to look at the numbers as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm reviewing my thing to see whether or not um, survey prior to interviews, I mean, outcomes in survey prior to completion. I don't see it. There is not an, a, a section on here about that, but I'll, I will check. For certain, you'll get the, the, a roll-up on it, but and I'm not sure what they do. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ron. We'll move on to 10.3, and uh, that's administrative regulations. So I will just take it from here, Ron, if that's... Please. So this this is uh, what our committee, our ad hoc committee, Trustee Baker, Trustee Segura, and myself have been working on. And uh, what you have here are some bullet points that we put together for discussion, and that's really it. Um, there's no decision being made here. Also, this is not a, uh, the regulations are not required to have board uh, governance voting on this. So this is something that we can come to a consensus, and we can say, hey, this sounds like a, a good idea to move forward on something like this, and then it goes to the president's office to draft up those ARs. Is that correct, Ron? It is. Okay. And then they would come. At that point, it would be voted upon? It, it, it does. ARs you don't vote on. You don't vote on. No, just the policy, and then we construct ARs based on kind of the will of the, of the board. So it's more of a consensus or uh agreement with everyone on moving forward on something. So we haven't started discussing on it yet. So I have a concern about having these be in the ARs. That's, that is my concern. 
My understanding is the AR is how the president will implement our board policies, but these are all related to our board meetings, and he has doesn't really have oversight over our board meetings. The board so chair doesn't. Let me start board. with. Let me start with. This is a discussion. So in this discussion, we're going to open up these topics, and we're going to get a feel for. There's nothing to really be concerned about at this point yet. Um, it's right now discussion. So what we want to do is talk about all of these items and just warm and fuzzy how everybody feels about them and what everybody would like to see in determining uh, what these ARs might look like. And at the end of the discussion, we may all feel like, yeah, I don't think we need any of this. We may just take one or two of these things and, and say, you know, Ron, run with this and see what you come up with. Um, but really, all we need to do right now is talk. What I'm saying is I think these need to be policy changes because these are policies governing our board. These are not administrative regulations that are under the jurisdiction of the president. And that's what I'm saying is that whatever we come to, I believe they need to come forward as a policy change. They need to be in our board policy. That's what I'm saying. These are ARs to me based on AR 2410 that uh, would, I believe, fall very well under that. And I think it depends on how um, how we write them. So, so can we just begin the conversation? And, um, and I will start with our committee met, and uh, these are the things that we tossed about that we thought were important uh, to streamline our meetings, and one of those things being board reports. We seem to uh, still kind of end up all over the place with our board reports, and we uh, came to, without making it too terribly specific, uh, to talk about brief personal announcements that might be I received an award for Woman of the Year um, of, you know, I had one of those once. I I can't remember who gave it to me, but, um, (laughs) um, or it's activities pertaining to the college, such as I went to Flex Day presentations this morning. Uh, the second item being agenda item for agenda items, which I think everybody would be very happy to see. We thought it would be a good place to put it uh, before board reports, but after committee reports. And then we also talked about debate during board meetings, being staying on topic, staying on the agenda item, provide new information, not repetitive debate. And much of this came from... Uh, what we learned in Sacramento at the, uh, uh, what did they call that meeting in Sacramento that we do? It's, the, it's, the, it's just the trustee education. Trustee education meeting and become a good trustee meeting. And then uh, it was also brought up uh, potentially a moratorium on agenda items that require action or us to weigh in on um, that we have those available to us within 24 hours. And I would first like to ask Trustee Baker or Trustee Segura if that looks accurate to you and if you have anything else to uh, add to that. Um, 
for under board reports, I would propose that we um, expand a little bit, not just not just activities pertaining to the college, but having it also be an opportunity for um, communications from members of the public also pertaining to the college, if there's no other place to put it. I mean, if it, it, one of the things that we talked about by creating this opportunity for putting things on an agenda, on the agenda, is it gives you a chance to do that if it's something that you feel needs to be brought forward. But if it's just a comment or something like that that someone made or an email that someone sent, I think that that could still be a part of the board of reports. And the other thing, I just I just wanted to clarify on the moratorium on agenda items. It was um, not just adding items to the agenda, but adding supplemental documentation that and support documentation that we need the opportunity to review. And um, we also talked about if a, a new version of something went up, it would be nice if there is some way to communicate to us what's different. I mean, if it was just so that a typo got caught and, and fixed, that's one thing. If it's something that's actually substantive uh, that changed that we need to reread the document, we would it would be nice to have that communicated to us so that we can be efficient with our time. Okay. Can I drill down on that real, sure. real fast? Do we have the ability, and maybe Carolee, in, in terms of, you know, when the update goes out from um, Board Docs, thank you, and it says, you know, attention, a new thing has been has been added. Does it, does, is there room, or can we adapt that to say there have been changes in the document, or... Mm-hmm. In the email itself, or something. Okay, well that's doable. All right, I just wanted to check to see whether it was it was an automatic feature. But okay, thank you. Is that a clarifying question about the twenty-four hour cutoff? I I thought that the agenda had to be up seventy-two hours in advance, and I didn't think that you can add items. Right. So. So we're talking about 24 or more. For, this is all about support documents, yes. then, not for adding items to the agenda. Yes. So I agree with that 24-hour cutoff for adding documents to the agenda. I support that. Okay. Uh, sure. Would that be in all circumstances that there would be never a an opportunity to get a last-minute item brought forward? I think the intent was if it was something that was an emergency, that would be different. But if it's standard things, if it's just really, like the minutes is a good example uh, uh, today. You know, we got the minutes when we arrived. So that's why we tabled them for next month. So we we need opportunity to be able to review things. And so, and, you know, if, if I'm at work all day, you know, I don't have time to do that during the day on Thursday. Okay. But so. there might be if in an emergency or well, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there'd always Absolutely. be exceptions, but okay. that this would be the expectation. That's great. Absolutely. I'd like to actually make it, it's actually going to be the law in a year or two. It's going to be a Brown Act change that when the agenda goes up 72 hours in advance, all the support documents have to be up as well, 72 hours in advance. Um, it's going to be the law. It's a best practice. I mean, I would like to see that 72 hours for support documents has a regular practice with the idea that if there's emergencies that something comes up, 
later, but as a an effort to have it all go up together, the support docs and the agenda items 72 hours before. I think it goes to, if I can, some of it goes to timing of our operations. You know, so some things, it, even though we're, we're geared up as a college, really our ebb and flow really works, you know, towards the, towards the board, towards the, towards the monthly meetings, but not all of the committees meet, you know, to make recommendations to, I'll use HR, for example, you know, to HR that then would act with a candidate to get them, to get them in line. So if we really held true to the 72 in, in, in that case, for example, we would be now waiting until October for our controller to show up, or, or you know what I mean? So there are, there are, and that may, you may see that as an emergent piece, um, but the ebb and flow, I think what I'm hearing is an ordinary operational pieces, can we not get stuff three days before? So minutes, agenda items that have been agendized, reports, those things, that's very reasonable, and, and we should be able and need to be able to do that. And if you don't have enough backup to, for you to properly digest, have some time and make a good decision, then, um, then you're bad on staff. There's actually good language for this in Napa Valley Unified's board policy on agendas. They have language that that the support documents and the agendas will be posted 72 hours in advance. There's actual language there, and I do think this needs to, if we're going to really have kind of a policy, if it's going to be a policy, it should be in our policy. It shouldn't be in the ARs. It should actually be in our board policy. I, I, I would, I mean, I support the 72 hours. I hold, you know, I also understand that it's not always possible, but I would, I think that we need to be making an effort to make it possible. So if that means having to change either when a committee meets or change when the board meets, you know, push us back a week or something, you know, because it, 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 it's about being in compliance with the law. And it's also about making certain that we have opportunity to do the job that we've been elected to do. Could I get some input from uh, other board members on that? I, I think that um, I, I'm good with, you know, I, I haven't heard that the uh, law is about to change. If that's correct, then uh, you have coming down the pipe. It's, they've set the date for when the change is going to happen. I don't have the date. It's, it's at least a year off, maybe two okay. years, but it's okay. coming. And the reason why it's coming is it's one for board members, but it's also for the public, that the public has time to review documents before mm -hmm. they're presented and yeah. voted on in the board meeting. Any, yeah, I don't think anybody's in disagreement, especially board members. Um, but I just wonder if right now, if the 24-hour kind of, walk, you know, crawl before we walk is... ...is sufficient at this time. Uh, Kyle or Michael, do you have any input on that? Go ahead. There's always going to be the emergency. Uh, the, uh, we, we've seen that with earthquakes, fires, floods through this campus and emergency situations, personnel issues, budget issues. But, uh, we've had to call meetings. Um, that I see as a, a, an important and understood. I think it's in uh, that we have a duty as 
my fellow trustees has to do the business of the district and the business of the board is to get together and and that's always going to be a that that must be an option uh, I was also a little unclear on what uh, my colleague Jennifer was trying to get to regarding board reports and pub, letting the public weigh in at that time we no, typically no, no, no. have a not, not letting the public weigh in but like say for instance I got an email from someone a comment about something could be or, or a question about something um, that for whatever reason didn't get forwarded or so, so I, I could say at this point you know it during the board during the board report bring it up then just but you know by the way some, some somebody said something about blah 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 you know, nothing that would be necessarily something that needed to be made a decision, just kind of communication. But not, no, not people coming and commenting. All right, sir. All right. Thank you for that clarification. Kyle? I just, do we as a board feel like we're not having enough time to, to read the reports right now? As I mean, I don't under. I mean, I feel like that's our duty as elected trustees is to read the reports. And Kyle, the minutes were up today at 3 o'clock, and there's been reports that have been put up that we've received the night of the meeting. I mean, I can give you some examples if you'd like, if you don't remember. But, no, we need to have the documents in advance, and the public should be able to see the documents in advance that we're going to be discussing. With the, with the example minutes, I... I I don't see why there's no reason that we can't postpone it. There's also, this is our meeting. If there's something coming up, we have the time to discuss it as board members. And and take a little 5, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long it takes to review that new information. And That's a good a, point. Have a robust and, and throw a discussion on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, if necessary, move it. But uh, just the fact that it, they're not um, going to, you know, there are times when in the past that it was out on Friday at a printed, printed um, board agenda with all the backups, and then one was to comment before uh, Tuesday, I believe it was. Carolyn would probably help me on this. Uh, otherwise, it was set in stone. You weren't going to, you weren't going to discuss it or talk about it. Uh, unless it was one of those personnel issues, emergency issues, or something like that. But it is. I'm not denying that the importance of having the information for the meeting, and and I don't think it's a possibility to just say postpone it because every one of these people is here because that's mm -hmm. their job, and to reschedule every single one of their times, classroom time, et cetera, et cetera, just doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, that's why we put out the board meeting agenda a year in advance of this is where we're going to meet so all of us could be included in this meeting, public and staff, faculty, classified, and board of trustees. This is, uh, this is a great discussion. I think that it's moving really well. And I think that what I'm hearing, um, because I like what Michael's saying too, I, I like that Michael is saying this is our meeting and you know, if we get to a document like we did the minutes, we can always say we're going to table this. Or if, um, you know, if it is something informational that had some support documents that, um, you know, we take the time to discuss that informational item. But on the other hand, um, I think I, I 
think that there's certainly justification for having those, uh, you know, making sure that those documents are ready for us as we need to have them ready for us. So, um, uh, did I have a card on this agenda item? No, it's very difficult to understand what you're going to discuss because it wasn't posted ahead of time what the recommendation might be, what the discussion might entail. This, the, I understand. That's these very were brief. Posted, right? It's very brief. It's very difficult to understand what the nature and the, of the discussion was going to be precisely. This is exactly the point. May I, may I make a brief comment? You may. Thank you. The, pe- the people of the state of California in the last election passed a law that said that legislators no longer in the state legislature could vote on a bill unless they had the writing, the actual wording of the bill, 72 hours in advance, because all of a sudden something would be slipped in. It's not just minutes. It's not just little things. You had a meeting, I think it was in um, April, when you you authorized to go out for an RFQ. There was never any documents presented ahead of time, only when we got to the meeting. The public couldn't even figure out what to comment on. I couldn't figure out what to comment on. There was no report ahead of time saying what the recommendation was, what it was based on. That's what this is about, I think. You really ought to be sending a message to staff. Don't come in here and expect me to make a decision. You guys make a decision. The public to make a decision as to even what to comment on unless you have some indication of what you're asking us to do. And your, your basis for it, your analysis for it, that is what... You know, and you know my background in governance. I'm an expert on governance as an attorney, as a practicing attorney for 30 years, as an attorney that counseled boards, as a, an elected official. The, the, one of the prime things of good governance is you have the information ahead of time on which you're to base a decision. That's all this is asking for, I think. 24 hours is, is pushing it. But, yeah, 24 hours you could live with. Usually, it should be more than 24 hours. It's a matter of good governance. Please, make it a rule. Tell, tell your staff, we get, get, your, get the information to us at least 24 hours ahead of time. It should be more. Or we won't, we won't consider it. Thank you. Okay, so I I think we can we can wrap up this bullet point. Unless Carolee, did you have something you want to add? Just a quick question. Sure. Um, does this apply to reports, staff reports, or just information discussion and action items? Items that the board needs to weigh in on. Uh, so, be it a discussion item or an action item, um, something we need to be informed about before. So potentially that could be everything, cabinet reports, president's reports, foundation reports. I don't, I don't really want I think so. reports. I would say if it's something that's, I mean, it, I think it would be great if there was always an effort to have it available as soon as possible, there going is. up with the agenda, 24 hours at cutoff. If it's something that's just a note and file, 
you know, that you know, or just for your information that we could look at later or the public could review later, then, you know, I don't think it's as important. But if it is something that's going to be part of a discussion, part of something that's going to be reviewed, especially if it's something that we're going to be taking action on, okay. then we so would. Not yeah. so much. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so that bullet point, I guess what I'd like to just take a straw poll, okay, this is not a formal vote, is just a straw poll from the, the board on uh, the folks that think that the 24 hours makes sense and the folks that think that we're fine leaving it to staff to... Um, no? I think, okay. I think talking about, like, having things in writing, you're getting some feedback. I think you need to bring forward the policy for us to actually have see it in policy form, and we can talk about it and pass it, just like we've always passed changes to our board policies. I think this is getting some feedback so that somebody you can bring forward the board policy with the change. That's And that's what we're doing. So we are having a discussion so that at some point they bring a draft back to us um, to look at. So, um, okay. Uh, We talked about an agenda item for the agenda items. Amy? I guess I'm confused because I thought we had that issue resolved. We actually talked about, and, and I know that we changed the AR or added the AR, that we, a process was going to be that we were going to submit it in writing two weeks before the meeting to the board chair. So I don't understand why this is coming back well, up. I think that, uh, is there a thing? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I think yeah. that when we had this discussion, there were a couple of things. Is like one would be if you sent that email and it hasn't been responded to in what you feel like is a, an appropriate time just to bring it up and to say, you know, I sent this out, you know, what's the status, you know, is this in the tickler or whatever. The other was if um, something came up during the meeting that we were like, you know what, we should bring this back as an actual item where we can discuss it and if necessary, take action on it so that is so that something doesn't get lost in the shuffle. So at that point, you know, you could be making a note, while somebody's speaking at the podium or while there's a presentation going on, and then bring it up at that period and say, you know, we had this, this came up um, to earlier in the meeting, I'd really like to bring this back, and then that would just be a notice to the chair and uh, the president to make certain that it, it went on a future agenda. I, I like the idea of having it as an agenda item. I, I don't think the system that we created is working because I've asked for things two weeks before and it's never been on the agenda and I actually, we already have this in our communications between board members policy. Actually, it says, um, I have uh, it right here. do you have it? So it's actually already within, you know, we have the capability to do this already. So we could just formalize it by having it be an agenda item. So you already, you know, the section I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I have it right in front of me. Yes. So, yeah. It's also, I think, you know, generally good practice for uh, the public to let them know, you know, Next month, this is going to be on the agenda. You just, it, you're just, it's just a shot across the bow. You know, it's not anything in detail, but we're going to be talking about X next month. I think boards, I think boards do it both ways. I, I think what I'm hearing, maybe, and let me clarify, but if I ask for an agenda item, is the board chair then regulated? In, uh, um, is he's authorized to put it, or she is authorized to put it on there? 
but must it be on there? And and that is a question. I think what I'm hearing is I asked for stuff that didn't show up. So the the does that mean the board chair looked at it, decided that it was a future time, or didn't connect at all? That's that's an, another issue that you may want to I, talk about. I think that still goes with what we still have some language and policy, which is that it needs to be within the jurisdiction of the college, that it's, you know, up to the chair. Ultimately, it's the chair's decision to say that this makes uh, sense to put this on the agenda when the chair and the president are, play, are preparing so, the agenda. If I can add to some sure. of it timing, so there, there could have been, I don't, I don't even remember, recall, but if there were something that, to do with a budget, Last month, since we're doing a full budget presentation next month, it, it would be it would make sense to hold it rather than do those little those you know piece and parses, especially if it's a it's so highly related. Mm-hmm. I think Michael asked early on for an assessor to for the assessor to come in and do um, you know kind of a community support thing. Um, it's such a deep part of the the budget that we combined those, and so Raphael asked us to wait until next month when we bring them all. It wasn't sense. put on the agenda, mm-hmm. but that's a good example. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify what you just brought up. Um, yeah, I, I remember when Laura Skolkin was here, she said, you know, that yes, the board chair, if a board member requests for an item to be on the agenda, it should be placed on the agenda, maybe not the next meeting, but maybe the following meeting. Um, and then as a whole board, when we approve the agenda, the board can decide to take something off the agenda that's within the board's capacity if they I know boards have right away moved to take something off the agenda. They didn't think it was appropriate in, in other school boards. So, But it isn't up to the chair to decide, as long as it's within the jurisdiction of the college, whether or not an item goes on the agenda. It should go on if it's requested, and then the board can decide whether or not they want to entertain discussion about it or not. I think the question is if it if somebody wants something on the agenda that is not within the jurisdiction right. of the college then the chair, I think, has the right sure. to explain that. Sure. So, um, okay. So I think we've got, we move on from that one. We've got a direction on that one, agenda item for agenda items. Okay. Okay, great. And then uh, board reports. I'd like to comment on that one. So uh, I would hope that everybody would weigh in on that as well. So we need. Uh, full board support on on how these should be handled. So I think that, again, I'll just reiterate what we discussed in our meeting, and Jennifer Rosada, you could always weigh in, that a brief personal announcement, um, you know, Raphael next month may want to tell us about his trip to taking his child to college and uh, say it was a success, successful trip. Um, and then activities, community activities, college activities, things that um, we can talk about that the that as board of trustees um, are beneficial to our position for us to do. So, um, Amy, yeah, I so. If the purpose is to streamline our meetings, is that what we're trying to do, is keep them shorter? Is that the idea? Streamline, but also productive. Okay, so we so want to be productive. They can be long and be productive, but, okay. yeah. So I, 
the only requirement for the board report should be that it relates directly to the college. So I don't think we should be talking about our personal things, um, things not related to the college. I think the one criteria is that it should directly pertain to the college. Um, but beyond that, I think I don't think that board members should be telling other board members what they should be talking about during their one moment when they can say what they need to say to represent the college and the community. So I would support saying that it directly relates to the college. Um, if we want to put a time limit, five minutes, I'm fine with that as well, if we want to keep them brief. But um, I, I don't support board members telling other board members what they need to have in their board report otherwise. That's, I think that's kind of where I would come from is I don't want to see board reports become, you know, one trustee's laundry list of things that they want to see done and what they're unhappy with and what they would like to change. I mean, if we can set some parameters and, you know, yes, it's about the college, it's projects, but, I mean, I think we definitely do have the jurisdiction to you know, limit what we're reporting on in our board reports? I actually don't think we do. We, we've already established board members have freedom of speech. So to say that a board member can only talk about their activities or can only make announcements um, about future activities, it, it, it's, it's not appropriate. So if the purpose is to shorten the board reports, we could set time limits, and I'm fine with that. And I think we definitely should say that it should directly relate to the college because, to be honest, I've heard all sorts of things in board reports. I've heard discussion about people's friends have died, their family members have died. I heard something about political fundraisers, which are really inappropriate. So I've heard of all sorts of things that nobody really seems concerned about. But if a board member wants to talk about things, activities they've done or communications they've had with the community, or concerns that they have about process or concerns they have at the college, about the college, I think that's totally appropriate for a board report. Um, our job is to represent the community and the, the college, and we need to be able to do what we need to do to do that. So, again, time limits I think are fine, or saying that it directly relates to the college. Okay. Now we're repeating. Okay. We're repeating. Uh, Rosetta? Yes. <laughs> what, what is your opinion on the board report? No, um, I would agree with, with Kyle and, and what we had said here. Uh, it needs to go with um, activities in the community and not necessarily what would... There's always room for agenda items. Um, it's not to report and request changes on what have you. Um, so pertaining to the college that we've done that serves the college and the students, and that would be about it. And what about the personal uh, announcements? I was thinking about that one when you called on me, but I'll leave it for my comments. No, <laughs> no. Um, as long as they're, they're, you know, they're related to the college. Well, I think you if know, as long and, as it's brief, I'm hoping that next month brief. we find out if it's a boy or a girl for crying right. out loud. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Because if it's, if it's a girl, it, the Did name's going to be Rose. Right. So I right. love that. <laughs> I, I could tell you on the side, not Yeah, I think we can report. find out about that outside of the board meeting. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. I need to get everybody to weigh in. Uh, Kyle, uh, you weighed in on that. Michael. 
brief, succinct, to the college. So Kyle's baby announcement or no, yes. Brief personal, leave personal completely out of it. Where are you? It's a future college student. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Student trustee, so absolutely. Okay. And I actually, I got an email from Raphael. I emailed with him about this, and he supported a time limit, and he supported keeping it to the college. Um, but, again, if we're going to start saying that within the college information that you can only talk about X, then I'd like it to go to our board attorney uh, for review. Okay, and then the last is debate during board meeting, staying on topic and only providing new information and not repetitive debate. I think that this certainly would help us a great deal um, because we often hear something from a trustee and then we hear the exact same thing from the trustee and then we hear the exact same thing again from the trustee. So I think all of us have probably done that at some point. And I think that that would be a good practice. That was on the uh, list of things that we brought back from Sacramento. And I would think everybody would agree on uh, those two. Stay on topic and don't repeat yourself. What do you think? Okay, don't we have Robert's rules to deal with this? So if we want to end debate, there's a process for that. Somebody calls the question, you vote on it, it takes a two-thirds vote to end debate. I think we're saying two different things. Are we? If, if people yeah. think that we're rehashing the same things, then we have a process for dealing with that. Okay. I, and I'm confused what we're trying to do here. So you don't, what we were talking about is during board meeting but, debates, mm -hmm. you don't think we should stay on topic and provide new information, not repetitive? I do, and I think we already have processes for dealing with that. We have Robert's rules, and we have a board chair. Their job is to keep the conversation moving, and when we want to end debate, we have a process for that. I don't think anybody disagrees that we should stay on topic and, and that we should only have new information. And if that's not happening, we have processes for dealing with that. We have a board chair. It's their job to manage the meeting, and we have Robert's rules to end discussion. So. Anybody else? It just reiterates and simplifies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. I think it reiterates it. As Jennifer just said, and uh, takes, yep. puts the responsibility. I, I realize it's in. Yeah, we have in our shared values as well. Right. right. It also says we're going to have robust debate. But yet it still so happens. Let's not forget the robust part as well. Robust and repetitive are two different things. Michael. Danger of being repetitive. I, I, wanted to, I, I was thinking about the agenda item request, and I've heard from our over the years from our council about not putting or, or keeping the established process that we have, which is to the board chair requesting. But it, it, we elect the board chair as that's our job, and, and so he's or she is our representative, if you will. Perhaps as part of that responsibility, they, he or she, reports back to us on the status of agenda item requests received during their board report, rather than 
saying, well, I requested this and I didn't get an answer, so you must not like me or something like that. But some explanation, I think, would be due. And there's no need to mention actually who the trustee requested it or where that request originated. This is what was presented to me in the format that we've already agreed upon, and I'm reporting out on the status that, yes, we did look at this, um, and the president superintendent feels his staff needs six weeks to develop a res- appropriate response. So we're moving this forward, and or this is being uh, discussed at the next meeting, and so on and so forth. Are you thinking that that would be part of the part of the, where, where the agenda items for agenda items that that would be part yeah, yes, of that? Yes, yes. The, the, the like board that. chair actually reports mm-hmm. that. I like that because not only does it close the circle, but it also gives uh, the chair an opportunity to see if anybody else on the board Oh, it's, yeah, we really should talk about that. You know, Recognition of the request also says close it up. or Okay. Okay, great. I like that idea. Okay. Um, one more thing about board reports that I'd like to add to shorten them. Um, plus, it's, it's the Brown Act. Um, one of the issues why they go along is because people start discussing other people's board reports, which we're not supposed to be doing anyway. So... Um, I think that will shorten them if people don't engage in discussion during board members' board reports. Can I okay. add one thing? Yes, These absolutely. are just kind of questions from me. I'm just kind of listening. So if you, I think five minutes is a long time because you're up. That's 45 minutes of board reports. <laughs> um, that's the maximum, and we don't yeah, all have I to have a board report. I'm just saying, right? Right? you know, so you, wanna, you want, would want to think about that. Um, the other piece is that, you know, normally at the board report section, because it's at the tail end of the evening, you know, generally we're alone. So, you know, it's really, I guess the intent, are your board reports for your fellow trustees or are they said to capture for public consumption so people can look at them later, which is a question you may want to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think finally the the direction that we got from Laura Shulkin was to, and I just want to reiterate so we're on the same page, that board reports are not published. Um, you, don't, you don't submit and we publish because that would confuse, could potentially confuse the public to think that's an agendized item, if you recall that conversation. So you can certainly um, talk about them. They're captured in perpetuity, you know, on record. You know, but um, I'm just, I want to clarify. Thank so. you. Thank you. Okay. I think that was great, robust discussion and um, really got an opportunity to kind of air some thoughts about our meetings, and we can move on from here and uh, maybe just put it in your hands, Ron, to see if yeah, there's did anything you, did further Did you get enough on, on the agenda for agenda items so you're clear? I think you were discussing two potential options of having the board chair report back out on one request that had been received or um, having the item on agenda items after review of legal's recommendation. That's where I ended up. So mm-hmm. are you, you Is it an or an and? Yeah, I, think, I thought it was an and. I think it's an and. Yeah. Yes. I think we want him to report out during that item on the status. So we still have our process of submitting in writing. But it's on the agenda, and he'll give us the status update at that point. So we're going to include next month, just so I'm clear, right? We will include next month an agenda for agenda items. Exactly. And you're expecting the board chair to, in during their report, to say, I received additionally 
these agenda items and not during his board report during that during item. That. And that would be right well. before board mm-hmm. reports, mm-hmm. after committee reports, but before board reports. And yeah. do you want to change your policies and regs regarding agenda item requests to reflect this now or maybe after a pilot period? We already have it that we're going to submit in writing. We don't need to change our policy to put it on the agenda. Well, what I can do is check to make sure we're in alignment with, this, with these changes. Yeah. And if there if are, we'll bring it to you and you can take a look. Yeah, it'd be this one here and look and see where. Yes, thank you. Okay, great, thanks. Sorry. Now we'll move to the consent calendar. Are we going to change the policy to reflect the cutoff? We the agenda board policy to reflect the cutoff on items being added to the agenda. We, I think, all agreed on that. Yeah. So without come forward in our board policy on agendas. Um, I would suggest it come forward in the uh, procedures and mm-hmm. be a recommendation and best practice, but I wouldn't hold the district to more than the Brown Act. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Carolee, for that clarification. Okay, we'll move on to approval of consent calendar. Do I see a motion to approve the consent calendar? So moved. Second. I'd like to remove item 11.3. Okay, we are removing item 11.3. And so can we take a vote on 11.1, 11.2, and 11.4? Approval of the consent calendar with 11.3 removed. Move to approve. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Consent calendar is approved with the removal of 11.3. Do we have any, do you want to first of all, um, your questions or should we bring, I noticed that Sherry's here. Do we want Sherry to? Well, this this will move to action items now, so, right? Yes. So. I don't know what the renumber might be on yeah, this. I and don't. Is it, is, does it automatically renumber, Cynthia? It has to download a little bit, okay. right? Does it put it in front or? Yeah. But I thought, okay. Let's wait till it paints, okay. if you will. All right, so we'll do. Think of theme music right now. <laughs> we are, um, I would comment, and I think it's fine, and we don't want to backtrack. But we are, you've kind of reverted to verbal voting versus electronic voting tonight. Well, I know it, it wasn't coming up. I know, because it, it does take takes a while. So it's fine, but yeah. I think, you know, I want to make sure that we're So when we get into action items, we'll probably see whether we can paint them and get you on. Okay. Record. Okay, great. I, I assumed we were having some technical it's, difficulties it's, that it's it wasn't difficult. popping up. Exactly. Yes, 12.1. Okay. It is 12.1. It's not 12.1 on me yet. Okay. So 12.1. Any thoughts? Do we want Jerry uh, to talk about Madam this Chair, at all? Or? Madam Chair, if, 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 if I might, um, I, I was aware that there's some, there's some questions on this item. And so what I've done is I've asked for my staff, uh, Howard Willis, who's our dean of students, uh, dean of counseling, excuse me, 
And also I've asked for Dr. Sherry Tennyson, who's one of the consultants, as well as Edward Bionis, who's the other consultant, who have been part of this project, this, this, this first-year pilot last semester, and then uh, the, the proposal for a one-year pilot coming up there this year. So with your permission, I'd like to have them to give Absolutely. you a clearer and a more thorough uh, your reply to your inquiries. Absolutely. That's where I was going, but thank you so much. Can you please approach the, the uh, podium, please? All my favorite people. I know I do, don't I? Asking you to receive. <laughs> yes, Good questions. evening. Oh. We're, we're here. We're here to field any, field okay. any inquiries. So. Yeah, I, I just, um, my question that I, that I asked, well, one, I was just wondering how it went last year, because I know you piloted this, so I just was kind of hoping to have an update on that. And then um, the follow-up question was, and this is nothing about, I highly respect Sherry and American Canyon Family Resource Center. I worked with them when I worked in American Canyon, but I was just wondering for $73,000 why we weren't just hiring a full-time um, career counselor to work in the career center and to do these activities and do career counseling with students. So in, in reference to uh, the pilot and its data, I mean, the contract ended um, on June uh, 30th. So we do have our year-end report that we do annually uh, for our Vice President of Student Affairs. So we do have a data report that we can supply for you. The, um, as you recall, uh, the MOU uh, was from February to June. So it's a, it was a short term. So there is this Coming up year, 1718 is a full academic year. So that amount is a full academic year. Now, if you look uh, within the MOU and all the activities that, that are being provided internally here on campus and the things and the added value of off campus, which is the key difference as we're looking at career services uh, and providing and ensuring that for our students that we are not looking at only within the box of Napa Valley College. Our employers are outside of here. Our networks are outside of here. Our goal is to bring them in. When you have, I mean, and I would love and thank you for supporting having a career counselor. That's beautiful. I appreciate that, and I will take that at any given day. However, for the services that we need to provide, based on the analysis that, and the reason why we went to the pilot the first time is, in my division, I'm given the charge to look at how can we better meet the needs of our students. This project, which we already have a great relationship with American Family uh, Resource Center through Dr. Tennyson, we have Edward Bionis, who was our, our formerly, uh, when he was here, our job development specialist. We have expanded the network and the demand for businesses wanting to come here on campus because beyond the day, Beyond the scope of a, of a faculty contract, that's what you're talking about, which especially for counselors, you're talking limited hours, right, of student contact as their priority, okay? All counselors' tenant is personal, academic, and career, so all counselors have that tenant within their, within their job duties. But a career counselor is not going to do the professional, the added value of the professional networking, being on boards in business, you shake hands, it's, it's who you know. 
It's who we need to get here so that our students can have these opportunities. I would love to be able to say, you know, I can give you a whole bunch of overload. If you can be at that board meeting, if you can actually, if you were even on, can you get on that board? We have individuals that are on boards that are connected with major companies that are coming here. Our wait list for our career center, our, our career fair for the first time was it very long. We haven't had anything like that in such a long time. Our goal in working in concert, this is the counseling division, in working in concert with our, with our faculty and our classified staff is to ensure that we're bringing the best service. So we have that agreement with the resource center where 50% of an executive director's time is being spent here. Partnerships, partnerships, collaborations, that's where we're at. We have now two sites, American Canyon, what we do here. So it works. We get the consultant. We have other elements, grad leaders. There's the, there's the things that you don't see on the, that you can't see on the surface that we have data for to show the improvement of our career services and the demand that we have for companies wanting to be a part of NBC and to be available to students. We're moving forward to being able to bring faculty, I mean, to bring folks into the classroom who want to be here, major companies, Dolby. I mean, we've, I mean, we, a career counselor, and of course, that's my division. I love my counselors, but within the scope of their job, their job is not to be outside of here networking and then to be able to be here with the experience of providing the career advising. When there's a career counseling, we do have our career classes. We have a part-time counselor. We do need to expand in that area. But for that money, which is not being paid directly out of the district, it's something that I can cover through Triple SP because of the career assessments and those things. We still have a position that's been on the board since this gentleman left, you know, that is still in there that we'd love to expand that too. But I'm also looking what is the best fiscal what is the best bang for the for the buck and how we can better save, how we can better serve the students more importantly and enhance our career services and our relationships, our business relationships with the community and our collaborations with our community. And so that's kind of how that folds into scope. So 50% of the director's time is spent on campus and then 50% out in the community? That's how it works? A absolutely. Does that end up being like a couple of days per week here or days per week? Um, so just to clarify, 50% of the time is given here, very much dedicated, so I have access to, the students have access to me. We're at three days a week, as well as meetings that I have to attend here, and the, the ability to attend off-site meetings. And as Trustee Mancuso knows, that we, there are meetings that we go to as a part of my role at American Canyon, but it's an opportunity, as Dean Willis says, the representation out in the community, talking to employers, talking to the chamber, talking to all our service clubs so that they get an understanding of how to work with our students. And the background that I have has been in voca vocational work with students, and I've done it with, in many years, and so this is, to me, an actual opportunity, a one, wonderful opportunity to work with students again. And I'm hearing the stories, and it's not a, it's not a simple one, two, three, I'm getting a job. It's a one, deal with step two, deal with step A, step B, and it's how Edward, and I'm so glad to bring uh, Edward back into the fold. Um, it's more about building resumes, building self-confidence, building self-esteem, 
having employers who want to work with us, who are begging to come on this campus, as Dean Willis says. We've created relationship with Dolby Laboratories. They're coming in to do a virtual presentation. We've targeted for September 11th. As soon as everything comes in, we're excited. But it's also working with star staffing. It's working with Nike, who just came back and said we hired 25 Napa Valley College students. And they're excited enough to want to come back and hire more of our students. It's that relationship. It's very. It's being consistent with the students, and it's being available and consistent with our employers. Thank my, you. My yes. question is: so it's not just because I keep seeing American Cam- Canyon Family Resource Center, but it's not just American Canyon. It's Napa Valley as a whole. And so, is there a, a committee or like? Because I've had quite a few employers in Napa mm-hmm. ask me not just for CTE programs, but also like for truck driving. There's business, there's a huge need right now in the community for truck drivers. So I'm just, is there, would you want me to forward those people to you, or is there an outreach? What's the best process, I guess? So so the answer is yes. Now we have a location that that information can come into. Before they would call, we would just only be able to post on our job board right outside in the hall. We have a uh, an electronic uh, grad leaders piece now that we can put that into the system and students can go into that and employers can go in and they can match on their own. And so that's part of also what uh, Edward Bionis is doing. So the answer is yes, the direct contact. Now we have a direct contact for you. Also, the other aspect is that we are starting to see a lot of our alumni. So in the past, I don't know what that process was, but we do have the system. But a lot of our alumni are coming back asking for help. And a position like truck drivers, some some of them want full-time work, where it's a little more complicated with our students. But there are opportunities as well online, as well as the students that are our alumni coming through their doors. So we are working with quite a few bachelor's-level students who came back to Napa Valley College and said, can you help me find work? So I a question back to, as Dean Willis answered, yes, there's a place to go. I think oh, you guys are... Um, yeah, the website is CSO Interface. I brought it on board in 2009. And by the way, thanks. I, I'm, I appreciate coming back to Napa Valley College. I was here for nine years, and so I worked as a job development specialist under Oscar in our career services side of the house. So what we did was we brought CSO Interface. It's a website. Now it's called Grad Leaders. It was acquired. But it's a super website where employers can register, post their positions, uh, along with uh, us being able to have students schedule appointments through it, provide us with their resumes, um, and also allow us to bundle resumes to industry to allow for those individual students to be able to get interviews potentially with employers locally. So, yes, employers... Send them to our site, send them to our services, and we certainly want to engage with them, register them, and invite them back into the fold so we can recreate that whole relationship we once had with employers to really help our students become employed. Thank you. It sounds like it would take much more than one counselor to fill all of those shoes. Thank you. Exactly, exactly. I was... Yeah, I was just confused because the part, I understand about needing to attend board meetings outside of school time, and that makes sense, and I just need a clarification on that because 
I mean, you know, Howard, school counselors can do a lot. They don't just counsel with students. They can help with resumes, and they can have career fairs and so forth. So I just I needed clarification, and that makes sense about the outside meetings. One other thing, just just for point of reference, uh, when our career center was a, it was a full had full capacity, we had a full time um, as a counselor, Lauren Bauer. We had Edward Bianis, who was a full time specialist. We had Rosie Carver, who was a secretary. So that that cost is about two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. So we're sort of getting the same services in I mean, in a way uh, and very adequately you know, for for a third of that price. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. We could go up. I was going to move for approval. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All in favor? Aye. Congratulations. Aye. Great program. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sorry, everyone. Are we doing that? Yes, go ahead. Everybody voted, Cynthia? Yes, the motion passed unanimously. Fantastic. Chair, not to backtrack, but um, on 11.4 on the consent calendar? Yes. I would like to recuse myself. Okay, it's now 11.3. Is that the one you're talking about, the Mentis? Uh, yes. Okay. Do we need to take a new vote on that? Correct the vote? I think you can just correct the vote since you did it verbally, so as long as everybody's clear. Okay, so that makes five yes, one, one abstention. And Would that be for the entire consent calendar? Because that was what the vote was. Oh, on. that's right. So we can just disclose um, in lieu of abstention. So, in lieu of my abstention, I would just just disclose that I am a board member of Mentis. So disclosed, and good job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Trustee Iverson, for. Uh, being such a forthright individual. All right. On to action items. Uh, 12.1. Oh, that was the one that we moved. Sorry. And then 12.2, ratify payroll for 731.17. Move approval. Second. I think we're getting that on our screen. Passed unanimously. Thank you. Next is 12.3, ratify financial documents. Motion to approve. Move approval. Second. Passed unanimously. Thank you. 12.4, grant agreement 
Deputy Sector Navigator for Small Business. Move approval. Keep hearing the Jeopardy song in my head. Twelve point five human it, resources. It passed twelve point four. Oh. Passed unanimously. Thank you. Twelve point five human resources document. Motion to approve. Move for second. I think uh, that was yes. Baldini first, <laughs> Iverson second. Passed unanimously. Thank you. All right. We didn't make it at 7.30, but we could very well make it at 8. Okay. Moving on, 13.1, Standing Committee and Other Appointment Reports. BWT. Or no, the Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board. Kyle. We have not met. Number two, legislative affairs. Kyle. We did uh, not meet for August. We were hoping to bring in Senator Dodd or Assemblywoman Curry, um, but that has not happened. So our schedule is now placed online, which is nice. Uh, also, some of the other things that we're looking at. So thank you, Cynthia, for putting that together. Are you reaching out to Daughter Curry? I am going. I actually talked with Cynthia, and that is the plan: is to reach out to them for our next meeting. Okay. But their schedules are going to be a little. That's All right, and then audit and finance committee. We have not met, but it sounds like we might be scheduling something soon. So certainly after the audit work is completed, we'll be bringing the auditors back in to uh, give you an update. So what is that? I wrote down when the audit, 21st, so September sometime or later? So it's likely it will be a little later than that because okay. once they complete their field work, then they'll go back and, and uh, review what they've pulled and what, what they uh, looked at and start putting the report together. So remember the goal is to have the audit completed by the end of October so that there can be mm -hmm. presentation at the individual foundation board meetings and bring the full package to you at the November board meeting. So I would say we're probably looking at I'll need to consult with the auditors, but we're probably looking at scheduling a meeting with the audit committee sometime in early October. Okay. All right. That's good to have a ballpark. And uh, Das, Rosada? We'll be meeting on the 30th okay. of this month. 
What's the date? Make sure. Real fast. Four o'clock. Okay. Uh, on to ad hoc committees. Uh, who? Michael or Kyle is yes, going uh, to speak. Yeah. That. Yes. I, I respect my colleague's opinion on, on the composition, her opinion on the composition of the board. And let me reassure you that I will do and ask all the appropriate questions and do the appropriate homework on a, any recommendation to this college. I, I have and was fortunate enough to serve this college and my district throughout the bond campaign expenditures. And personally, I was involved in private industry spending about $120 million of the public's money on, on what we call the Capital Corridor Project. And I personally ran a P&L statement of nearly half a billion dollars um, I think things through. I act deliberately. Sometimes I'm quiet, but I'm thinking. I I understand the concerns, and I do understand between a, where we're at and the questions I want to know about the options uh, available to us and the decision that's, that uh, the full board will make, and I will absolutely defer to the board in that regard. We did not meet, um, and I look forward to my assigned responsibilities and take them on with all seriousness. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Kyle, do you have anything to add to that? God, Trustee Baldini said it very well, and I We'll follow those same rules. I mean, I don't want to put the district in a bad situation, and I would never make a recommendation that I thought was not a good recommendation for the district. So I will do my due diligence. Thank you. Okay, trustee. Oh, uh, the art committee. There's nothing really to report because we had that as an agenda. I discussed it earlier at great length. Okay, trustee uh, reports. I'll start with Mam here. Uh, this weekend I'm attending the student trustee conference in Long Beach, and uh, we'll be electing the state trustee for the CCLT, and that's about it. That's That's quite a bit. We look forward to hearing the results of the trip. Good luck. Trustee Iverson. I have no board report for this evening. Okay. Thank you. Trustee Martinson. I attended the meet and greet with the new NBC Foundation director, and um, it was good to meet her and to meet some of the board members. Got to meet Jenny, the, the 
vice president. Um, and I just overall really like the direction that they're headed. I like that they want to work directly with students on the food pantry. Um, and also just excited to see what they accomplish having a full-time person dedicated only to foundation activities. And because I was one of the last people there, I got to take a pizza home <laughs> from Food Chat. So that was nice, too. I had pizza so for a week. All right. That's it. That's personal. You're right. It's not in the policy yet. Christy Baker. Um, I also was at the meet and greet, and though I didn't get a whole pizza, I did take a fair amount home with me. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out why she looks so familiar. I, 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 she, she, I lived in Fresno for four years, so I, one of these days it'll, it'll click. Um, but really also very happy that she's on board. And just want to um, let everybody know, uh, MVOSD schools, most of them start next Wednesday. And we had a lot of new teachers and a couple of good, really good new administrators, including a new superintendent, assistant superintendent uh, for instruction. So there could be some really great opportunities to partner with the college coming down the pike. Okay. Thank you. Trustee Segura. Uh, I also attended the meet and greet. I did take a full pizza home. <laughs> My kids are very grateful. Um, and on Tuesday, um, I was here for the Napa County Hispanic Network was here um, for a meet and greet with their scholarship recipients and their parents. It was a very nice um, gathering. Um, I was very happy to see many students and many parents who are very interested in, as to what their, their children are doing. Because back in the day, I wasn't getting that from my parents. But, and, so, and so I'm glad that things are changing. Um, they broke, they took the students out and discussed, you know, what, what college life was, was going to be about and, and how to maneuver to you know, their first year of college, uh, so they learned a lot. But the beauty was that they kept the parents in the community room, and they explained to them what college life was all about, to include um, um, everything, you know, um, sororities and, and all that good stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I welcomed them on behalf of you. They were very happy. Uh, so that was a very good meeting. Um, also, I also attended the Maldonado fundraiser, and it's good to see that some of those students are coming to us. And um, I'm going to go to a Warriors game with Mr. Deado. So a silent, no, not the silent action, the, the live auction. He bought a, a pair of very good Warrior tickets. So I hope they're good. I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exciting, exciting things happening. I don't know how we missed that. Raphael usually brings flyers, yeah. and and I missed it this year. Uh, but that's was, a wonderful event. It was very exciting yeah. because this was the first year that um, Warren Wunierski was was in attendance, and so that live auction was very lively, and they made a lot of money. Thank you. Trustee Baldini. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'd like to apologize to Ms. Amanda Badgett and those she represents, all the faculty, that I wasn't in attendance. And also, that same apology to Eric. I think that's the first one I missed. 
In fact, I was asked where you were. People were surprised. I was under the. I I have my calendar from last uh, November, December when we approved it, and I I thought it was Tuesday. Oh, forgive me. That's something I'll plan too. Anything else? That's it. Thank you. I did attend. Yes. This morning, and it was wonderful. But I have to say what was really, what I always find really wonderful about these events is the time that I get to spend sitting down with people and actually just having conversations. For me, and who knows, I may be really annoying those people I'm sitting down with because I typically ask an awful lot of questions. (laughs) Uh, I must have driven my parents crazy when I was a little kid. But I sat down with Merrick and uh, Scott Allen and our welding instructor, Wade. Eric, thank you. I don't know why his first name slipped my brain. But talking about the beer brewing and just all sorts of things that are happening, that that's the only way you're going to get that information is when you're sitting down and, having those conversations and learning more about what everybody's doing. So I I would always encourage um, all trustees to, when we go to those events, you know, to just plop yourself down in the middle of a group of people and, and listen and hear what they have to say about what they're doing. And because every time I have one of those conversations, like with Howard Willis or, Whoever, it's just uh, it's just so really so motivating. I think I come back and I'm even more excited about what I do. Um, so it was great presentation, Ron's presentation, um, and the photos. I love the photos of people then and people now. Those were great, and the the gentleman who had the same hat on from 19 whatever it was. <laughs> They were great. So it was a great event. And tomorrow, another event that I absolutely love because it's in such a great setting is the lunch um, out in the Glade. And so I'd encourage everybody to be there. That's at 1145. Um, I know I plan on being there. If you can, you know, it's all all staff. So there's about, uh, Carol, you probably have a number. 400? Yeah, about 400. It's It'll be our third annual. It's a really great mixer, a wonderful time, and it's the culmination. It's here on campus in the Glade. In the, um, Do we uh, need to RSVP? Go ahead. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't eat much. You're in. You're in. No, you do not need to RSVP. The board is you know cordially invited, and, and they would love to see you. Whether you can make a piece or all of it, that they would. And that's all I have. Anything else? Yes. yes. The meeting September 14th. Yes, we have a correction. Oh, it did get corrected. Well, it's 24 hour notice. Oh. This was a typo, which is above, yes. above and beyond. So is this the correct date now or no? It still says 9 10, 14, I think is correct. 9 14. I got it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. We'll adjourn to. Oh.
man, student trustee. I wanted to add for the record, I also attended the meet and greet, and I did not get to take a pizza home. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we will adjourn to our next meeting is September the 14th.